invite you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to preach on godliness this morning. I don't think there's anybody in here that's going to say, godliness is not important, but maybe you don't know what godliness really is. And where godliness comes from at the heart of the matter. And I pray that God would so just... He would would come down and open our eyes and cause us to yearn for God in a way that would produce godliness. Would you pray with me? God, would you incline your word to us and our heart to your word and not to selfish gain? Would you open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things out of your law? Would you unite our hearts to fear your name? And would you satisfy us this morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and sing for joy all our days? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, the last Flint charity race, it's a 10-miler. It's called the... Okay, most some of you know it. It's the Crim. Now, I even have... Proof that I ran the crim. See this? Look at this. These are my props this morning. I got the last two years I ran the crim. These are my participation trophies. Because believe me, I didn't come close to winning any award or getting a first, second, or third prize. In fact, it's quite humbling. Ten miles around Flint, up and down hills. Does that sound fun? And if anyone would like to join me and a group of others in August, we would love to have you join us. Now, imagine you had to run the crim, and you had to do it in under eight minutes, a mile, and, and you can't use a bike or a motorcycle. And, and if you did this accomplishment, the reward would be very hefty, Okay. So you get it under eight minute miles and you do 10 miles, you would receive a $1 million award reward with $1 million monthly added to your account for the rest of your life. Pretty good deal, wouldn't it be? I think that there would be some of you that would say, I'm going to take up running. (laughs) But I will learn to run for this summer as we get into August for the crim, if this was the reward, if this was the value of this race, I think I'd figure it out. And I think you'd also, if, if you think about running, you would go, okay, I got to run this my eight, I got to run this 10 mile race. It's got to get down to the speed. I, it's not just about practicing. It's not about just getting shoes and going out and start running until I actually get to the pace I need and to be able to get 10 miles in. I think you'd start to think, most of us, we'd start to think, okay, i got to get my muscles stronger, especially my legs, but other parts of my body. I need to lose some weight. I need to strengthen the tendons in my knees. My back is sore, so i got to strengthen my back. I need to get my lungs in shape. My heart needs to be some work on it. I need to change my diet. I need some help. I'll probably get a trainer. I mean, I mean this reward is so worth it. I'll hire a trainer. I need discipline. I need to get out also and start running maybe five or ten minutes a day and maybe keep increasing my time, Uh, but I got to get to it. I have to say goodbye to ice cream and, and, and candy 
and donuts and pop. I'm on a mission. And that means no for this. The reward. In other words, I better train for the crim. To finish the crim has great value. Well, with that in mind, would you look with me at 1 Timothy 4, verse 6. Paul is writing to young Timothy. We are, we are looking at ten kind of general themes in the book of 1 Timothy as we meditate on and learn from Timothy as it instructs us how we ought to behave in a church. And I want you to see this in verse 6 of chapter 4 of 1 Timothy. If you... Paul's writing to Timothy, Pastor Timothy. If you put these things before the brothers... You will be a good servant of Jesus Christ, being trained in the words of faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. We're going to do something together. Let's say this together. Train yourself for godliness. Ready? Train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Verse 9. For to this end we toil and strive because we have set our hope on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. I want to focus our attention on that phrase that you echoed with me just a minute ago. Train yourself for godliness. Note the word godliness or godly. In fact, you don't find that word. We use that in our Christian culture. Oh, that's a godly thing to do. Or that's not so godly. Or that's ungodliness. Hey, he's such a godly Man or man, she is so godly. What does that mean? And Paul uses the word godly or godliness a lot in First Timothy. And I want to point some out to you. First Timothy, so if you're in your Bibles, we're going to start at one and just going to survey a few passages. First Timothy 2, verse 1 and 2. We're going to be there next week, Lord willing, unless this goes awry and we've got to go another week. So First Timothy 2, 1 and 2. For then... First of all, then, I urge that supplications and prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and who are in high positions. Why? That we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Paul was concerned to Timothy that the church would live a godly life. Now, look at verse 10 of chapter 2. But act modestly and dress modestly. We're going to get that in a couple sermons from now. We're going to talk about godly women, godly womanhood. And we're going to look at godly manhood. But he says, but they are to do what's proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Now turn to the next chapter, chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 16, the end of the chapter. He has just finished saying, and by the way, I'm writing these things to you so that if I'm gone, you know how to keep things in order in the church. And then he says this, verse 16, great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. And then it goes into a hymn about Jesus. He was manifest in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, 
seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed in the world, taken up to glory. He says, the mystery of godliness is great, Jesus. Jesus' life, Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection, his ascension, his being proclaimed in the world, the mystery of godliness. Now look at chapter 4. That's what we've just been in. He says, don't give yourself to, verse 7, don't give yourself to silly myths, but train yourself for godliness. God's present life and the life to come. Now turn over to chapter 5. Turn to chapter 5, verse 4. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, we're going to see this in a chapter on a sermon about how, how we treat each other in the family of God. And he says there's widows that need to be served and cared for and widows that need to be maybe rebuked or challenged to a certain way, all men and women. But he says there's a certain widow that they're to learn to show godliness to their own households. And then in chapter 6, one more time, one more place we're going to look. Chapter 6. Verse 3. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words, that sound doctrine we saw a couple weeks ago, with our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching, now it's a teaching that accords with godliness. Anybody that teaches anything that doesn't accord with godliness, he's puffed up and conceited. He, he basically says he's a hypocrite. And verse 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. Now you can turn back to chapter 4 and we'll stay there in verse, chapter 4, verse 6 and following. This passage in verse 7 of chapter 4 tells Timothy, it tells every elder in the church, every pastor, and I'm going to say every Christian, train yourself for godliness. So do you hear that? You have a command from King Jesus on high, train yourself for godliness. Now, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, at faith, sixth graders if you're in here, senior hires and junior hires, senior, seniors living on your pension or retirement, or young parent nursing a child, Mom and dad with teen children, non-married 20-somethings, single mothers and widows and widowers. If you're saved, if you're a true Christian, God plans for you to be godly and for you to train yourself for godliness. You see, Titus, Paul writes to Titus in two books later, and he says, the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us or to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age as we wait for the blessed hope and the appearing of our glory who gave himself for us to redeem us from the slavery of the law and to purify us as a people for his own possession, that we would be just zealous for good works. God saved us to bring us into something so that we would just, we would out of us flow another nature. Okay, godliness. You might be sitting in here and going, okay, is this, uh, 
Is this a sermon about the law? What am I supposed to do? I need to clean myself up. I need to be godly. I need to buckle down. I need to white knuckle it and grip on and do it. I want to answer three questions that you might have about godliness. Godliness, what is it? Two, why you actually want to be godly if you're a Christian. And I'm going to argue that if you're a Christian, there is something working inside you that wants this. If you have no desire towards this, you're not a Christian. And three, how to train for it. There are three things I want to answer in the room. So these three things I want to answer is, first of all, God, or, or first of all, godliness. What is it? Uh, what is godliness? If you get forced into defining it, you kind of go, I, 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 it's, it's, I think it's this, it's purity, and it's maybe, maybe it's doing good, and all of these things. I want to define that to you. But before I define it, hear this very carefully. Godliness is a root and it's a fruit. It's both a cause that works in our lives and it's an effect that flows out of our lives. It is both an attitude, uh, even a being. It's an attitude and a behavior that flows from an attitude. Godliness is both being something and doing something. Here's my definition. I think you have it in the back of your bulletin. Godliness is devotion to God that leads to a life that is pleasing to God. Please look at that. See that. If you don't have a bulletin, it's worth writing out and really thinking on this because I think it's going to help you more practically as you train yourself for godliness because all of us are called to this train. We've been given our marching orders by our great Lord and Savior. Godliness is devotion to God that leads to a life that is pleasing to God. Okay? Now... It's behavior or life. Let me just connect this from my January so you are to bear fruit. This is very similar language, and that is Jesus says, bear forth fruit. And we all know I can't bear any good fruit in my life unless I am connected to the life source that he produces it through me. Because apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. Godliness is the behavior that comes out of you and me, and it comes out of an ever-growing devotion for and love for Jesus and our God. Let me, let, me, let me illustrate it here. Godliness is seen in the mother that prays earnestly for her children every day and does not complain at the difficulties of what it feels like such an unglamorous life as a mother sometimes. The mundane and difficult tasks. And when it does complain, it, she goes to God and asks for forgiveness and keeps going forward because we're all going to struggle with it. Um, godliness in a mother doesn't look for honor or compliments or praises from others, even her children or husband. That's not her main motivation. But she delights in the way... It pleases God because God, the pleasure of God, more beautiful than anything else. 
she's found that the only true and lasting source of joy and contentment is in God. Or godliness is seen in a student. Young students here in the front row, spread out throughout this room. It's seen in a student that knows and cares that God is always watching them. And that he, he or she owes everything to God because he made you and saved you and is so good. And that because of that, you seek to do your best in algebra or in English or in science or whatever it is you're doing because you want to please your Father who loves you. And you're just starting to learn how good that really is. But he's also always watching you. Nothing escapes him. And you're always called in every, not just church or youth group, but every aspect of your life. You're called to now live out who he is. That's a, that's a manifestation of godliness coming from the inside. Or here's another. Godliness is shown by young adults, 20-somethings, teens, who have grown that they cannot laugh at dirty jokes or dirty memes, or, or things and stories or actions that make light and build entertainment on stuff that is sin and grieves God. They, they learn to realize those are the things that Jesus died for, and those things that we laugh at are actually Things that are just killing people today and starving them for joy in God and starving them. They're cutting off their relationship with God. And so godliness is a growing into, I can't do that. Not because I pastor told me I can't or I just feel bad if I do. It's because, oh, why would I want to? God is starting to grip my heart and it grieves the one I love most. Devotion to God. That leads to a life pleasing to God. Or godliness is demonstrated by you in your work this week. In your jobs or in your school. Demonstrated by a commitment to honesty and integrity and gratitude. Humility. A faithfulness in your work. In your workplace. Why? Not primarily so you get a raise or so that you get the pat on the back. Or get approval of others. Because of the God who loves you and has called you to his glory to show off how good he is. He is your satisfaction. You work for him. This is displayed when cancer comes or some other sickness or some trial of providence. Or when the weather is bad. Or when others slight you. Or when disappointments big or small occur. When a driver cuts you off. When your parents don't seem to make sense or they let you down. When your kids are rebellious. And you, you didn't before, but you slowly find yourself responding with more patience, more humility, more prayerfulness, more trust and dependence, and less anxiety and less fear. And you go to God and you go, Son, I'm not all there yet, but I, He is becoming my refuge. He is becoming my source of strength. Godliness is manifested in all different kinds of things. We could have sermon series on all these things like trusting God versus captivity to fear. Godliness is manifested. Or patience versus frustration. 
or being content versus greed or lust, or being a thankful person instead of grumbling and complaining, diligence, hard work versus laziness, generosity versus stinginess, humility versus boastfulness, loving people versus selfish and just looking after myself, wisdom, insight versus just foolish, running ahead, a controlled tongue rather than one that's out of control, all attributes of godliness. But do you see, they all come not from, they don't just come from, I'm going to work on my tongue and just try to hold it. I'm going to work on my anger by yelling in a room when I get mad and just let the steam out. That type of godliness comes from an inside devotion to God that leads to a life pleasing to God, just like you don't just start running a race. That's the outward side of it. You run a race. That's what you do on a race day. You got to build the faculties of your body so you can actually run the race. You need to have that heart strong, your lungs strong, your muscles strong. And so the muscles, the lung, the heart of godly living is devotion to God. And so you want to grow in godliness? I think Paul would be saying, train yourself for a devotion to God that leads to a life pleasing to God. Train yourself to a devotion to God. So our question should be always, what does it mean to train myself for a devotion to God? How do I do it? I love what Jerry Bridges says in his book, The Practice of Godliness. He says, he says godliness comes out of this devotion to God that leads to outward behaviors of patience and hard work and, and contentment and joy, things that are, are just glorious when they actually come from the inside out. And he says they don't happen apart from devotion to God. And I just want to commend you three things about devotion to God, which I wish I had an entire different sermon on this, on, just on these three things. How do we train ourselves or how does devotion to God happen in, in my life, in your life, in the scenarios like a mother or you at work or a father or a student, you're in school, your, your commitment to just get rid of that dirty entertainment that just, just pulls you down. Three aspects are really important to growing in devotion to God. First, we learn to fear him. The second, we learn to be, we, we grow to be gripped by his love. And third, we learn, by God's help, to desire him. Not just his gifts, but himself. Do, do you fear God? What do you mean, pastor? You, I'm going to duck so he doesn't hit me? I, I, I'm going to do this thing because I'm scared if I don't. He's going to zap me. I'm going to have my devotions today because if not, I mean, it's like karma. It's going to have a bad day. He's, it's kind of like I need to do these things. No. The, grow, the rightful fearing of God is a growing to truly be in awe of who he really is. Growing in a personal knowledge of him so that we truly understand who he really is revealed to us in this book. Not just my own ideas of who God is. Well, my God would never do that. Who is your God, the God of the Bible? Because I don't care what your God would do. Because that God is not 
our authority, God of the Bible is. Do I know fear this God? This God who is so glorious. He is so holy. He will judge sin forever someday if it hasn't been judged on the cross. He is completely just. He is majestic and powerful. He is over all the nations of the earth. He is completely holy. He is completely wise. That God, do you fear that God? And do you know that he is always watching you? There is not a a moment when he isn't in your life present. You cannot hide from him with pornography. And you cannot hide with him cheating on your tests. And you cannot hide from him in your car. You You can hide from your family. You can hide from your parents. You can hide from your spouse. But you can never hide from God. He is always watching. And more than that, he will hold you accountable. And more than that, you, if you're a Christian, you you owe everything to him. So you can never hide from his duties towards you. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. You should obey him. Now, if that doesn't create some fear in us, as we start to ponder those things, I don't know what does. Oh, the Holy Spirit would cause us to go... I'm accountable to him at all times. He is this God. And we should go and have our devotions and we should study God's word so we know this God of the Bible. That's why we are to put ourselves in sound doctrine that teaches us this holy God. We just, this morning, there was three adult Sunday school classes going. I was teaching on the book of Daniel and we saw the awesomeness of a sovereign God in a pagan land in the book of Daniel. And, but here's the thing, let's not get balanced, let's not, let's not just fall into the fear of God thing, because that's not enough. I don't want you to walk away just going, I just got to be fearful, I got to start doing good things or else he's going to hit me, or he's going to, he's going to just, he, when you learn the Bible, you actually learn that you're, you're more of a sinner than you actually thought you were, and that's, that could be discouraging, if it's, if it, if it's by itself. But a person that grows in devotion to God that leads to a life pleasing to God grows in a a being gripped truly internally with his love towards us. I need to, our teachers in this church need to continually point to you to the gospel of Jesus Christ that says, yes, the gospel says you were actually worse than you thought you were. You needed a savior. You needed the son of man, God, to die for you on the cross, Jesus. But you're actually more loved than you could ever imagine, not because you earned it, but because of grace. And he loves you, and he has put his favor upon you. And he's, he, there's this doctrine called the, the truth of your spiritual adoption into God's family. And it means everything to you now. Do you know how much, how much do you know about the adoption of God in your life? And what that now means in the Holy Spirit coming in and, and giving you an internal joy of who your father is. And you cry, Daddy. And you, you learn all, that he is never going to stop working for your good. Even discipline or hard things in your life are no longer punishment, like punitive, I'm going to get you back. It's always, I'm, I'm lovingly spanked long because I love you and I have your long-term joy. And it's going to be so good and you're going to love it. Are you gripped by that love? What are you doing in order to get gripped? The Holy Spirit is the one that works, but he doesn't have us sit on our hands and go, God, grip me with your love. Grip me with the fear of God. 
Oh, we go after God. We hear the preaching of the word. We put ourselves before good teaching. We learn to read the word of God and put ourselves in others' lives who will help us do that. The, the last thing of those, the devotion to God is we find ourselves desiring God, thirsting for God. Do you find yourself loving God for who he is or just what he might give you? You want the peace and the, the, the comfort that comes from him or do you want God himself? Are you finding and growly, slowly learning to go, God, you are my love and my life. I delight myself in the Lord. And by the way, he said he'll give me the desires of my heart, but I realize as I start to delight myself in the Lord, Psalm 37, 4, my, my desires change. I, I want what he wants. I want him to, I can pray the Lord's prayer, your name be hallowed, because that's what I want more than anything. I want you to be honored. And your will be done, not mine. On earth as it is in heaven. Godliness is a devotion to God that leads to a life pleasing to God. It is patience and humility and gentleness and kindness and being a forgiving person and being obedient and being showing integrity in work and being faithful with your wife and your husband and all of those things. That's godliness and being doing right with your parents or your or your homework. But real godliness comes from within. It's for God's sake. God, you are enough. Therefore, you have freed me to love it, to man, manifest these virtues. So that's, that's a little bit of godliness. What is it? Devotion to God that leads to a life pleasing to God. Secondly, very quickly, there's a second one. Why do you want it if you're a Christian? First of all, why, why should you train yourself for godliness? He tells us to. But I want you to think on this. Why you would actually want to hear this message, and I'm actually preaching good news to you this morning. I'm not giving you law. I'm, I'm like, I'm calling you to something beautiful, freeing. If you're saved, the Spirit of God is in you, and he, His Spirit does miraculous things in your heart, makes you love things that you wouldn't naturally love. Some of you are in here, and you don't, you're not yet. Jesus Christ is so beautiful. And glorious, not because he gives you something else, but because he really is that. And, you're, and even if he didn't save you, you'd still want him. And you receive him by faith, and you actually, he does offer salvation to you, and you receive it, and he becomes your savior, and you, you want to obey him because who else could you trust than him? Oh, if when that happens, we're born anew, and this new nature starts in our lives. It's not all at once, and it's slow working, but we start to have new desires. Our wanters are changed. We wanted one thing, and now we want something new. And and so I say, why why would you want to be godly? Why would you want this if you're a Christian? It's because you're new nature. There's, it's like you were made for this. It's like if you're in a car that never drove, I know that car, imagine that as an air, I know cars don't have wills or feelings or emotions, but imagine they did. They want to drive. And clocks want to tell time. And Christians want to be godly. Not in their old nature. They still have an old nature to fight, but in their new nature. Um, 
physical training may delay death. If you start to take on physical exercise, it's a good thing. Go work out. I like to do it. It's usually good for us. But it will bring us very little comfort in death. But not godliness. He says it brings value not only to this life, but to the life to come. Other things may bring you a sense of security. Building up a nest egg, financial support, retirement, all of these things, vacations to rest yourself, all those things might bring temporary security, significant satisfaction, but only temporary. But godliness frees us, frees us from ourselves and brings us to the glory that we were made for. Godliness brings us the only true joy, and it's the joy that's found and anchored deeply in something that can't run dry or will die, and that's Jesus. And if you're not a Christian, I call you to it this morning. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will save you. Talk to someone here, and they would love to show you how Jesus has offered to you salvation, free and whole, and a new life in Christ you repent of your sins and look to him fully for his grace. But if you are a Christian, you want God. If you're a Christian, there's already a seed form of devotion to God. But but reality is, and we need to ask God to help us. So this is my last, said another way, how do we train for a devotion to God? That's how I define it. A devotion to God that leads to a life pleasing to God. Paul says, Train yourself. It was like an Olympic term. It was an exercise term. It was basically, they would train, it's kind of crude, but they would train naked. They would take off all their stuff so that they had nothing encumbering them. And they would work out to train their bodies for the Olympics or whatever it was that they were training. He says, train yourselves for godliness. This means we need to take personal responsibility for this. This I, I want to say this. You can't be godly without God's help, without the Holy Spirit work in your life, through the Word and through other people, but you will not get godly just sitting there. That's not how God works. He calls us to take responsibility for it, and we depend on the power and strength of God's Spirit, but we, we, do, we, go, we go and start running. We, we go, i got to get the eight-minute mile. And so I'm going to start running. God, God, help me to be strong. Training yourself for devotion to God takes help so that you grow to truly fear God, be gripped by His love, and deeply desire Him. Humility, contentment, joy, trust in God. You want those things? You want radical obedience to God that just... It's from the heart. And diligence, self-control, patience, kindness, love, faithfulness, integrity, they come all from the root, the deep root of Jesus working in us. So I just want to list these things. If you're, if you're a note taker, I'm going to kind of go fast, but it's going to be actually online. Because if you go to our website, you can listen to the sermon over and there's a there's a thing on the website that says notes right after the sermon. But I just want to give you a couple of tips on how to grow in godliness. One, remember it takes time. Growth in godliness is incremental. 
It's not, you go after God today to devote, to learn to fear of God. But if you find yourself being really impatient, you go, I want a godliness. It takes time. God works in us slowly, usually. Praise God. Or else we'd all be in trouble. It takes discipline. I've already said this, but that means it takes saying no in the right places and yes to the other right places. It seems it says no devotion to God that numb our hearts. It means saying yes to the things that God has already said will build up in our lives like the word of God, gathering to hear the word of God, getting involved in a small group. None of those things in and of themselves will make you godly, but they are part of the ways in which God uses to growth in godliness. It takes here's another thing. It takes help. If I were to train for a triathlon, I better get a trainer. I cannot swim like more than like six laps and I'm dying. I would need somebody to teach me to breathe and I would have to teach somebody the straight straw. I need a trainer. So you and I in our walk are training for godliness. You need trainers. The first trainer you all have if you're saved is the Holy Spirit. Would you pray to him and say, oh God, help me to train myself for godliness. But you've also been given by the Holy Spirit helpers right in this room that you can shoot a text today or a message or give a phone call and say, would you pray for me? I want to grow in this area. Here's a particular area, and, and I want it to be from, because I'm, I'm devoted to God, and will you pray for this? I've been wanting to read God's Word, but it's so hard. Will you help me in it? It takes help, and we need coaches. Training also takes understanding. So I, I spend a lot of time defining godliness as devotion to God that leads to a life pleasing to God. To train, to, you want to understand what you're actually training for? It's really helpful for you to dig into that definition. If you need more help because it didn't make sense to you, talk to me or someone else that it did. Because you want to get to, don't just read your Bible to fill your head with a bunch of knowledge. Read your Bible to Grow in love with this great God. Get a, get a guide to help you learn to know this God. And it takes keeping your eye on the goal. You're called to please God. Oh, there is nothing more beautiful in a Christian's life when you and I have learned to go, yeah, but God was pleased. Hey, are you dealing with the struggling with that problem? I heard this happen in your life. Yeah, but God's so good. He's, he's working in me, and I just, as long as he gets honor in this situation, he's freed me from love of self. I can, I can take criticism in a new way because I just want to please God. Keep your eye on the goal. It's pleasing God and knowing him. Uh, let me just say this. It also takes planning. Any exerciser to train plans is exercise. Don't think you'll get trained to godliness if you don't start making plans to do it a schedule, or, or some intentional goals and somebody that's going to help you in this planning. And lastly, it takes the tools that God has given ignore prayer. And you can't ignore the body of Christ, gathering to worship and gathering in small groups, getting help individually with one another. Those are tools that God has given you in godliness. So here's my practical, here's three things that you could do today. Three questions or, or challenges to each one of you. Number one, what do you need to say no to today to pursue devotion in God? Okay? 
Whether you write that down or not, I want to ask you this, and I pray the Holy Spirit would seal it to your heart. What do you need to do in your life that you need to say no to because it's just keeping you from loving God more, trusting him more? And maybe you need to ask somebody to help pray for you on that. You go, oh, my, then they'll know my weakness. Yes, they do, and that's a really good thing. It's good for you to humble yourself and, and let them pray for you and hold, help you in this struggle. So what one thing do you need to say no in? Two, who in your life do you need to ask for help? It could be me, but it can be one of the deacons or pastors or one of the leaders, one of the, just a mature woman or man in this church that you could just say, hey, could you just pray for me, help me in this area? And if someone asks you, I'll tell you God's will is for you to say yes, to help them. Write them down and start praying for them and checking up one. You might hear about the outward fruits of, of godliness, like humility, godliness, or contentment, joy, trusting God, all of these things. Maybe it's anger or patience, self-control. And you might go, teen of them. Can you keep coming up with more, Daniel? Will you pick one or two to start with? Something that you've just, maybe if you have to ask your spouse or ask your best friend or ask your parents, they'll, they'll gladly help you. Um, pick one and get help on digging to the root of it. If it's, man, I'm, I'm just an anxious person and I lack peace. I, I deal with fear all the time. Uh, I'm going to work on that, but I'm going to work to get to the root of it. Not just, I'm not going to be fearful today. I'm not going to be fearful. That doesn't work. God is for me. And i got to think through this. What does it mean? God is bigger than any of my foes. All of these things that I fear that might happen, God says he loves me and he won't let anything bad happen. He won't starve, deprive me from anything good. Really, it, that takes time. It takes meditation. It needs help as we train ourselves for godliness. Let me end with this. Great indeed is the mystery of godliness. And it's Jesus Christ. God sent his son who was fully God into this world who never sinned. Who was at every moment of every minute of his earthly life completely and fully devoted to his father in everything. He wanted to please the Father at all times. He died for our sins and rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, is praying for us, and has given us the tools that we might become like him. So let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us to grow in godliness and so train ourselves for godliness, God. I pray that you would help there to be a a practicalness to this. I pray that there would not be a crushing, that this is, this is law, I have to figure this out. And I, I, feel, I pray that there would be, a, a, by your spirit, a desire welling up in, in your church here to want to grow in particular practical ways in our lives, that we would be a godly people. Thank you for the, all that you've given to us through Jesus Christ, in whose name I pray, amen.